Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, everybody, to Caravan of Garbage, etc. and so forth. Leave a like. Mason. Hello. As I was re-watching Dungeons & Dragons, the movie from the year 2000. Go on. I thought to myself, what is this slash how did this happen and I must know? So the majority of my research into this was just trying to figure out how the fuck we got here with this. Because this got a cinema release in the year 2000. Y- yeah. And it looks like... Now, it sounds like you're joking, because mm. often you'll do a joke. Sometimes I'll do a joke. Sometimes I'll entitle the my, my notes for a particular movie in a funny way. For example, today I've written Dungeons and Dragons, because the movie's dumb, and it dragged on quite a lot. And because of the dragons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good joke. But the thing that I said earlier about it being released in cinemas in the year 2000 is true, but it looks like... One of those full motion video games from like around that era. Or before. Or before even. Or like, you know, you'd play like Command and Conquer or Warcraft yeah. or something like that. And they and Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, great game. It, exactly. And it's like it's like the this is the this is the CD ROM version. So there's full motion video cutscenes. And yeah. there's just some people in some rubber costumes. Yeah. Being like, they've 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 cornered the fleet. Well, luckily the, Send our fleet. Send the uh, send the fleet. <laughs> so the good fleet. Yep. I mustn't get the gem of the whatevers. Yeah. I'm no. Mark Hamill. I do these in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But here's how it happened, okay? There were multiple attempts to make this in the 80s. It became like a kids' TV show at one point. Do you remember? I do. And, and that took the famous, uh, famously bad, and I don't like it, where they take real people and they put them into the fantastical world. I mean, not real people. They're cartoon people. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they did it through a carnival ride or something from memory. I, I can't remember. I generally don't like that trope, but sometimes, you know, it works. I think the idea here, though, is, you know, you want to be completely immersed in... You want to be immersed in that world, baby. I mean, it doesn't work, but I get it. You want to be immersed in the most generic world there is, baby. (laughs) I have so many Dungeons & Dragons questions for you, Mason. Well, Or uh, maybe three. As you know, but perhaps the viewers don't know. Mm. uh, Well, I haven't played Dungeons & Dragons in, like, 20 years. Yeah. But I, I did play it back in the day, you know, a few for a couple of years, I think. And, you know, I, I enjoyed what I like about a lot of tabletop role-playing games, not even playing it, just like the worlds that they inhabit. Like, you know, you get the, you get the source book and it has, yep. you know, the, the realm that it takes place in and all the, the various, you know, monsters and characters that inhabit the world. And I'm just a big fan of that. There, there was, there's been a bunch of, like, Dungeons & Dragons novels and I've, mm. you know, read a few of those. And, you know, it's just a great world. Didn't put it in this, though, did they? <laughs> I, there were some things, maybe. Again, I have questions. Okay, we'll get to them later. So, 
the director of this, Courtney Solomon, so his mother was a freelance production coordinator for movies and TVs. So he spent like a lot of his formative years like on sets oh, in the hometown of Toronto, which real, is the what, whatever the opposite of a latchkey kid is. That's true. Um, Go to work with your parents. Clapperboard kid. Let's call him a clapperboard kid. I don't mind that at all. Mm. So what he did at 19 years old, and this is actually incredible, legitimately. He rang the offices of TSR, who, which is the home of D and D. First of all, brave. <laughs> None of us would any of us had the courage to do that. No, make a phone call. <laughs> if somebody picked up, oh God, oh, what if they didn't pick up and you had to leave a voicemail? And you oh! had to think about what to put on there. Oh! If anything, I would have just waited until you know. Text messaging became a very common thing, and I would have texted like, "Hey, can I can I have the rights to Dungeons give, and Dragons? No worries if not. Give me give me it." <laughs> so he pretended to be uh, an economics student, okay. and he was working on a project related to D and D. And a few months in, after striking up a rapport, he was oh, like, "That was a trick." It was a trick. He was like, "Listen, now that I've got my foot in the door, can I pitch you my idea for a Dungeons and Dragons?" trilogy in the vein of like Star Wars but instead of X-Wings you've got dragons and instead of compelling characters you've got the second Jimmy Olsen but also in the spirit of Phantom Menace second Jimmy Olsen from Lois and Clark not the second Jimmy Olsen from just in general just to clarify please go on Uh, in the spirit of the Phantom Menace how about we have some Senate committee meetings. God, it's and very Phantom Menace, isn't it? Yeah. Thora Birch just doing her best boring Queen Armadala impersonation. And you might be like, well, the Phantom Menace came out in 99 and this came out in the year 2000. How would they have time to, pr- to, to, to rip it off in how, such a how, how, well, how, This movie took three weeks to make, Yeah, exactly. How many, and also, this came out in December yeah. of 2000. Also, the Phantom Menace... too much time. Exactly, and the Phantom Menace trailers also came out like late 1998, so it's very possible. This guy would have been taking notes like, okay, boring stuff in the Senate, put that in. In check. <laughs> Love it, man. So they gave him the rights to make a movie. What he, he bought them though. Yeah, he didn't just get them for free. No, because what a coup if he got them for free. That would be incredible. If yeah. he got them for free, I'd be like, well, this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> this it's a okay, great. So we got some producers uh, on board various times. Well, sorry, I should say potential pr- producers, including Francis Ford Coppola. What? Uh, and is that your, is that one of your funny jokes, James? No, no, this like is like when real. I said Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, no, it's not as funny as that joke, mm. and it's not a joke. Okay. He also got James Cameron to maybe think about being a producer. So he this is some sort of whiz kid. Yeah, Wunderkin. I agree. Guy. Do you think? Maybe the fact that he was a teenager who got these rights sort of gave him some... Some juice. Some, some juice zap. in Hollywood. James Cameron's like, this guy sounds like a real go-getter. I wonder if he'd be, in, wonder if he'd be interested in doing some dangerous underwater stunts. <laughs> <laughs> no? Well, I'm out. So Courtney Solomon, he recalls a lunch that he had with James Cameron and Lorraine Williams, who was the TSR boss at the time, and she apparently eyeballed James Cameron and said, what are your qualifications to direct this film? And Incredible. this was in like the mid to late 90s. This is post-Terminator 2. Yeah. yeah. And he also wasn't even necessarily going to direct. He probably wasn't going to. But what a fucking insane thing to say. Yeah. Like you you don't check before you <laughs> go into that meeting. You've got someone sitting across from you. That is best case scenario for somebody sitting right there. Um, James, look. Before we get into whether or not this movie is good, it's not. It's really bad. <laughs> Imagine a world in which she hadn't said that and James Cameron, out of the goodness of his heart and wanting to help out this teen kid, yeah. was like, yeah, I will direct Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Imagine what a world we would be in now. Yeah. I think it would have changed everything, honestly. Epic fantasies all yes. the time. Yeah. We would have been on Dungeons and Dragons 2 by now, probably. The movie Aragon would probably be better. Right? 
We're on Dungeons and Dragons four. We'll talk right, about but, it. but but I know, but I mean, Cameron would have at this point he would have been directing two. <laughs> yeah, two right. would have just come out because that'd be his passion project now. So anyway, Joel Silver ended up producing, which is a great get also because he, of course, was behind the Die Hard movies, the Matrix movies, the movie Swordfish, all classic movies in their own way. But the budget of this, but everybody has an off day, you know. I completely agree. But the budget of this was cut from one hundred million to thirty six million. Thirty six dollars. <laughs> no, thirty six. You've misspoken. Thirty six. No, no, I, I didn't. I said thirty six million. Okay. Uh, so, and the idea was that Solomon couldn't get anybody to agree who was going to direct. So he was just like, "I'm going to do it." Mm. So is that is that really what happened? Or that's is apparently like, what happened. Or is it like, or is he like, "No, I'm actually going to direct." Yeah, this is all the rules. What I'm going to, in, in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring that TSR lady in <laughs> every meeting. And get her to insult the new guy. And then eventually we'll run out of directors and I'll have to do it. <laughs> it's Solomon's time, baby. It certainly is. But he has said since that he was saddled with an earlier bad script because Wizards of the Coast, who bought TRS in between all of this. TSR, but yes. Sorry, who bought TS? Have I been saying TRS? No, just then. Oh, my God. <laughs> who bought TSR in, in around in the late 90s? Mm. Like they, they weren't on board with any of this and probably realised that this was a big disaster. He, he says that they wanted it to fail. So I guess they had script approval and they said, uh-huh. do this one. Anyways. Do you, think, do, do you think it was a kind of the producer's thing? They <laughs> wanted it to, they'll make a big bank if it failed. Maybe. Do you think it's going to happen for the next one that's coming up? Maybe. Oh, no. Yeah. So anyway, I guess one thing you could say about this universe, and this is very purposeful, it's like Star Wars in the sense that you're kind of just dumped into it. Mm. Like there's a little bit of kind of like there's a wizard and a whatever. I did feel a real go. sense of dumping <laughs> when I watched this movie. But absolutely. you know, yeah, and it it seems you know almost like people live in it because sometimes disagree. You'll, sometimes you'll see a market. Sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see a carpet or a room, mm. and all of these things add up to wow. real, you know some real environmental storytelling. There'll be a cup on a table, and you're like, I bet somebody, I bet somebody will drink out of that cup. Maybe they already have. Bloody hell. That's you in the cinemas. I did not see this in the cinemas. Hmm. Though I think you did. Maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember the movies that you saw in the year 2000. Wow. But here's the thing about the art direction of this movie. Absolute dog shit. What Hmm. is it? There's Okay, the council chamber is a great example because there's like a velvet floor and like drapes and Thora Birch is standing on like a, a stone kind of ornate circle and there's like weird trim on everything Mm -hmm. and there's a set of stairs behind her which clearly aren't sitting flush with the wall (laughs) and sometimes it looks like a green screen but i don't know whether it is or it's just lit badly Okay, but again remember james this movie cost 36 dollars (laughs) so mason was this a robbery what do you mean? Like, did he just take the money? Did somebody take oh, the money? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. And then maybe they reused some sets from Hercules the Legendary Journeys. <laughs> it's got some real Hercules the Legendary Journey vibes, I'll tell you that Completely much. Completely agree. And i tell you what, they also love in this movie just CGI shots of castles and environments that also then don't connect to the to the follow-up shot. Yeah. One of the early shots is, or I think the first shot, it kind of zooms through a castle and whatever, and it goes through a keyhole, but then it just... And you were like, this thing could put a key in that. Maybe they already have. <laughs> Bloody hell, it's amazing. It's environmental storytelling. <laughs> I'm in the cinema. I'm just acknowledging that sometimes there's rooms in this. Yeah, sure, I think sure, that's sure. important. Mm, that is we important. say good things. Mm, yeah, you have yeah. to say a good thing too. All right, maybe at some point I will. <laughs> but yeah, it just hard cuts to just inside the room and it doesn't zoom through. It's just like, bang, we're here. Well, again, this is right in that pocket where CGI technology was a thing 
and people were like, well, we should use it because we have it. Yeah. And they shouldn't have. They should have waited 10 years. Well, but here's the thing, and a lot of people have made this comparison. The Lord of the Rings, which I think the trailer of which played before this. Oh, no. Because it's New Line, (laughs) right? right? So there would have been some walkouts before the movie started. Yeah. Or within the first couple of minutes. Absolutely. Well within that 15 minutes and you get a refund policy, you know. (laughs) Okay, so, so you... It's because you saw the trailer for the Lord of the Rings. Okay, cool. Here's your money back. That's, that's fine. <laughs> it yeah. does explain the box office. But I also think that's kind of an unfair comparison because a closer example of what this movie looks like would be like Dragonheart. Because oh. Lord of the Rings was and is an anomaly. Mm. Nothing looks like that, even yeah. now. Mm. You know, it's, ve- it's very rare. But I'll give it this. Here's another compliment. Here we go. It captures like that kind of dicking about vibe of D&D except it's not fun. Mm. Ad, like there's running about and Snails is always screaming, stop it and making mm. noises, stop it, Marlon Wayne, stop it. It's really annoying actually. Well, I've got a lot of thoughts about this. Look, I don't think it does maintain the spirit of Dungeons & Dragons. Look, technically there are dungeons, yeah, but there's also like a dungeon-like arena mm-hmm. where you have to retrieve a big jewel or something. Yeah. Except in both of these instances... What happens is one guy goes into the dungeon and everybody else is just sitting around. Yeah. Which is, James, really reminiscent of the collaborative style of your tabletop <laughs> role-playing game. I lost, when I played Dungeons & Dragons, James, I lost count of the number of times when the dungeon master was like, okay, you go into the dungeon, rest of you guys, just you have to stay outside because of magic. <laughs> oh, do we get our own adventure outside? No. Can we go outside for a smoke? No, not in the game and not in real life either. <laughs> just sitting here, you can't do anything. And mobile phones haven't been invented yet, so... <laughs> I don't know. Do a crossword. <laughs> Actually, crosswords don't exist in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, so don't do that. Oh, what could you do? Roll a dice, but no. not for anything. That would be too distracting. Okay, you're yeah. probably right. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess you could practice your dice rolling for later. <laughs> Here's something though. Mm-hmm. What a fascinating performance from Jeremy Irons. Right. I look. I have a note here, and it says. Um, I think all the villainous actors were told to just absolutely devour as much scenery as possible. Yep. I think all the heroes were just told to quip any chance they got. Mm -hmm. And I think Thora Birch was told to not react to anything at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably right. But Jeremy Irons is just, he's a cackling maniac. I mean, he has talked about, you know, working on this and how it was like obviously garbage and whatever. But But I think people were having fun when they were making it. At least some actors were. Exactly. I think, and I know like in terms of, like classical acting. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not good, probably. I don't know, is it? But at least he's compelling. You're he's like, wow, he's so. re- he's doing it, isn't What's he? What's he going to do next? <laughs> is he going to scream? Is he going to laugh? Yeah. Is he going to wave a sword, do a magic? <laughs> put a big serpent in somebody's ears? Yeah, he'll do that. He's going to put a serpent in a man's ears, maybe. And then, you know, so you've got your little D&D party, like your mages and your whatever, and an elf, and the tallest dwarf I've ever seen. Mm. Is it dwarf? Yes. Tallest dwarf I've ever seen. Oh, it's dwarf. <laughs> and here's the thing, right? But they're just they've they've just put the really it's there's three main characters, right? There's the main guy, yep. there's snails. We never get an explanation for why he's called snails. Mm-hmm. Not even snail. It's not, like, that, it's not I, like he's slow. I have that note. Mm. Why is it snails? Right? Did he eat a bunch of snails? He must have eaten a bunch of snails. <laughs> uh and the, the, the mage lady. This is This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You've probably heard this, or maybe you've even experienced it. A business gets to a certain size, and then the cracks start to emerge. Things that used to take like a day and now taking a week. There's too many manual processes just grinding away, and you don't have that one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and a whole lot more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 1. Because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. NetSuite allows you to have the power of all the information in one place to help you make more effective decisions as quickly as possible so you can keep moving, keep building, keep growing, or have more time off, whatever it is that you're looking to do. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash weeklyplanet. That's netsuite.com slash weeklyplanet to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash weeklyplanet. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you got two choices. Oh, this piece of mother Or sales. I definitely prefer don't you? Because that's a sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that's supercharging your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. For example, Ruggable, Nix, Magnolia, Cotton, and so many more. Now you're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. The Shopify app store has the migration apps that you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every e-commerce platform to Shopify. And maybe you're one of those people who are like, hey, don't put me in a box. I don't want to be in this box, either metaphorically or for real. Thankfully, Shopify never will. 
Because with Shopify, you can control your brand and business from your storefront look to your back office operations. You know what's really annoying when you're checking out from an online store and you have to put in all your payment details and all sorts of numbers and letters and whatnot? Well, with the Shopify store, they actually remember my shipping address or your shipping address if you were using yours, plus the payment information. So say if I'm on the couch and my wallet is in the kitchen, I didn't even have to get up, which is my favorite thing. Stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash weeklyplanet, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash weeklyplanet. Shopify.com slash weeklyplanet. Cha-ching sound effect. In a, in a way, we, we haven't really talked about the plot because it's irrelevant, but it's a real snobs versus slobs yeah. situation because the slobs are the regular people mm-hmm. who just want a bit of equality and then the snobs are all the majors who are like, no! Except for Thora Birch, who's like, hey, be cool. Yeah, she's not a mage though, really, is she? That's true, she's the mm. queen or something. But anyway, there's the three main characters and then, and I guess somebody during the production of this was like, oh, I guess... Put an elf in. Yeah, I guess we've got to have an d- adventuring party, so I'll put a dwarf and an elf in here, but... They, they, they don't. Have, they have nothing to do. They don't explain really mm. why they're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or their incentive. It's for interesting doing so. that this guy like clearly spent his entire adolescence wanting to have a Dungeons and Dragons movie made. Mm. But then, then when he got the the rights, I guess he had like forty five minutes to get the script written. Well, again, it was the first first earlier script. <laughs> yeah. There was probably a better script, Mason. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think. And. I think the stuff that kind of annoys me about this, like, you know how he does a couple of, like, tasks and, like, he does a maze, The main guy. Yeah, the main guy. The second Jimmy Olsen from Lois Mm. and Clark. Yes. Who's fine, by the way. Yeah. I think everybody in this is fine. I think everybody in this is fine. Except for Jeremy Irons, who's exceptional. That's all right. But, so he goes into, like, uh, you know, a maze and he's got to do a series of tasks but it's just obstacles. Mm. Like, where's like a like a door opens and a fucking fire wolf comes out or something? I don't know. Yes. Anything. Well, I was going to say. But it's always like a a thing, like a a series of spikes moving towards him or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. this is it. Well, look, I was. I'm, I think you want to ask me about the Dungeons and Dragons lore. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to do that now. If we want to do that, if we want to talk about that now, like, so this isn't set. Like, if if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you can play in a universe you create. You can play in a sort of generic universe, or you can like purchase pre built sort of universes. There's like Forgotten Realms and yep. Greyhawk and Ravenloft and all these kind of different. Realms with different characters and kind of sometimes different rules for magic and all that sort of stuff. And I guess if you wanted to acquire Dungeons and Dragons and the rights to one of these other campaign settings, yeah. that would cost more. So I guess it's cheaper to just make the generic one. But see, even even I don't no, James, know James, that's James, true. even though even though even if that is true, just the base Dungeons and Dragons level universe with the with the you know the the player's handbook and and all that sort of stuff and the monster manual just has like so many incredible sort of spells and monsters and and adventures like a wolf and that's set, on fire. like a wolf that's on fire for example but none of that is in this yeah. the the only point in which in this movie besides the dragons there's there's dragons in this they're fine yeah the the only the only point in this movie where we see what i would consider a classic undeniably Dungeons and Dragons monster is at a point where the main guy and snails, they do a little bit of sneaking around. They've got mm. to sneak into a place. And so they they quietly sneak behind the back of a classic couple of Dungeons and Dragons monsters, except the Dungeons and Dragons monster in question is a beholder, which is canonically in the D&D universe, 
of super genius intelligence and also has 10 eyes on stalks that enable it to look in every direction at once. Yeah. Like you couldn't... Don't they throw a stone and it goes, oh. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't pick a worse Dungeons and Dragons monster to quietly sneak behind the back of if you tried. Like it's... (laughs) You couldn't couldn't do it. It wouldn't work. Yeah. You could... And it so it sort of surprises me that the guy who wanted to make this sort of fundamentally didn't get Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. it seems. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. Plus well, all the eyes do lasers and stuff. That's exactly it. And I had some questions for you, and I think I have one answer. So the Empire of Isma, which is what this is, mm-hmm. apparently, it's loosely based on the little-remembered original basic D&D setting of Mistara. Okay, sure, sure. And the quote here from Courtney Solomon is, it seemed better to just do a generic campaign that had all the rules and all the creatures and the spells you would use in any campaign setting. But... I suspected, and I didn't know this, that that's not true. Because my question to you was, how much of this do you recognise? Like, there's the flying meatball covered in snakes, right? The beholder, yes. Yeah, but how many of these, like, spells are specific to D&D or just generic? They're all just generic. I'm sure, like, there is a spell that shoots a rope and ties you up. I'm Mm. sure that exists. Yeah. Right, but shoot a ropey Amos, it's called, (laughs) in the Dungeons & Dragons universe. Like, does dragon's blood, when it pours into water, does it catch fire? Is that something? Because I looked into it and apparently it's not. I don't think so, no. Yeah, I had a question about snails. Like, is that a normal name? I don't know, you can call your character anything. Yeah. You could be, like, big butt, two butts, his head's... Look at two two butts' heads. Right, sure. And that's funny. That is funny. (laughs) That's the spirit of Dungeons & Dragons. And I guess my last question is, is the porridge rug, is that common? No, I, but I do have a note here that that says the trap carpet that turns into custard is the best effect in the movie. As far as I'm concerned. Well, it's real. It's all practical and it looked like a nice carpet. They clearly, they built the custard. They put the custard in the pit yeah. or whatever. And then they, they did that thing, you know, where you get a, get a cappuccino and you put the... You put the yeah. chocolate powder on the top and make a little art. They've done that with the carpet. They've made it look like a real carpet. And then Snail steps in it. He, he's like, oh, I'm in custard. And he goes, eee. Eee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the guy who designed like all the mazes and traps and whatever. But to answer your question, the custard carpet is on the cover of Mistara, the, the main <laughs> source book. Okay. And underneath it says, watch out for custard carpet. <laughs> look out. You have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wild is the guy who designed all the trap sequences in, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark did these. Wow. And I guess I can see those similarities. Mm. But it is just, again, generic kind of traps yeah, and, fire and fire and, and that, whatever, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, the ending of this, mm-hmm. where they're all standing on top of a tower screaming at each other. Except for Snails, who's killed. <laughs> which I felt, again... <laughs> that is the funniest reaction I think I've seen to anything. <laughs> just that drop to the knees. Yeah, like, the main guy's like, no! And then he just, that casual, just throw off the but balcony. also... And even at the time, and especially upon a rewatch, I'm like, that feels really tonally out of place for this movie. Yeah. This movie, it should have been like he gets winged and he's like, Well, I'm out of the I'm out of the movie. I'll see you at the end or whatever. But no, he just he gets like all his bones broken and his head turned around, he gets stabbed in the in yep. the neck or whatever. Awful. Yeah. Awful but, stuff. But don't worry, because at the very end, mm. uh, there's a cool biker costume that oh, yeah. second Jimmy Olsen wears, and then they leave the dragon eye on Snails' grave, but then they take the dragon eye. And then the, they're told that Snails is alive and then they all zoom off. Mm. And I don't know what the fuck any of that was supposed to be. But <laughs> Snails is not dead, it turned out. Is he in the sequel? No, we'll talk about it. But again, when they're all standing on the tower 
like that level of green screen mm-hmm. is quite frankly inexcusable. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like the people who worked on it. I'm talking about any of the money and the way this mm. was kind of clearly shot in a hurry and it's just dreadful. There's a moment where the mage guy and the snooty, uh, th- sorry, there's a moment where the main guy and the snooty a wizard lady who are going to f- have a kiss later, mm. they both say a, some spell words and they end up in a map and just the, they sort of turn to smoke yeah. and just go into the map and it's just horrendous. <laughs> like in a round the twist or something, like a <laughs> like a super low budget Australian TV series that you'd watch in a, of an afternoon for mm. kids. The Wayne Manifesto, for example. Yeah, it's it's that level of spellbinder. Spellbinder. It's that level of <laughs> special effect. I don't yeah. astounding that, that 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 made it to a theatrical released movie, but again, you got to remember $36. That's all they had. Yeah, you got to remember that. Yeah. They got like 50 cents a piece for those. And I guess credit to like there being so many dragons on screen. But also, it, the dragons, um, nothing like D&D dragons. No. I mean, technically, there was a red dragon and a gold dragon. Yeah, but the gold dragon looks brown. Mm. And as they're fighting, I don't know what the difference is. Yeah. Because I watch the behind the scenes and it's like, well, we designed the red one to be more kind of pit bull-like and the the brown one's gold to be more sleek. I, di- I didn't get a sense of any of that. And also in Dungeons & Dragons, like all the dragons are sort of very smart and like have individual names and personalities and they're all kind of, you know, legendary and they'll, you know, like, and they all yeah. have stories told about them. And this is just like, yeah, copy and paste some dragons in, I guess. We need some more red ones, put some more red ones in. It's Completely fine. agree. Anyway, Mason, they, they let the blood rain from the sky, mm-hmm. which I think was my favourite quote from this. Mm. Let's do some green trivia. All right, let's do what it. A dreadful situation this is. <laughs> uh, green trivia and, of course, the guy who shouts Rodney. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when asked why he did this film, Jeremy... Why? (laughs) That was at the red carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Irons replied, Are you kidding me? I just bought a castle. I had to pay for it somehow. Makes a lot of sense, sense. yeah. Now, during this movie, uh, at around 42.29, somebody says, I can't remember who. It wasn't snails, because I would have remembered that. This is about honour among thieves. Yeah, someone says honour amongst thieves. And I went, wow, epic foreshadowing, I said. That's right. They say it twice, I think. I think they say honour among thieves. Oh. That's a 22 minutes, roughly. And then honour amongst thieves later on. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Something that you should know. Mm. Now, unusually, Mason, the particular shade of lipstick that Damodar which is the bald guy. With the snakes in his ears. Yeah, with the snakes in his ears. <laughs> Damodar snakes ears. <laughs> Rare example of nominative determinism. <laughs> the lipstick that Damodar snake ears wore required a particular strain of seaweed that only when cultivated and harvested correctly would give it the bluish hue required before application. Mason. <laughs> so as a result of this, so that situation, oh. it actually led to the working title of this movie being Blue Harvest, which funnily oh. enough was... Uh, you're working title for the original Star Wars. Viewers, how far into that sentence was it before you realised what he was doing? For <laughs> me, me, I didn't know at all. Yeah, well, uh, look, I didn't... It, for me, it was not so much the words, it was just a little glint in your eyes that you got before you started the sentence. I'm like, oh, here we I'm go. I'm glad no one else could see yeah, that. Here we go. Yeah. Anyway, box office. Budget of $36 million. Dollars. Budget of $36 million. All right. Wikipedia, I think, says about 40 but I don't know about that. And the box office return on that was 338 Oh, that's less. Agreed. Now, this was, though, good enough for two sort of connected directed DVD sequels that feature the return of Damodar Snake Ears. Does it? Do they? Yeah. He, Whoa. But this, the next one is set 100 years later. Okay. And it's called Dungeons and Dragons Wrath of the Dragon God. In that's, a way, I'm glad I got the snakes in my ears because they gave me some sort of immortality, I guess. That's the opening line for the next one. <laughs> we did watch it, didn't we? Yeah. In preparation. 
That was in 2005. And then in 2012, we got Dungeons and Dragons 3, The Book of Vile Darkness. Uh, none of these are particularly well loved. It, I don't it even, I was not even aware there was a third one. Yeah. So the future of this particular series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there was actually a scuffle over the rights in 2013. I don't want them. I don't want them either. <laughs> you Get them away from me. <laughs> Last person to touch them has to keep them. No. Let's just throw them into the, the porridge Thing. Quick, kick him over there. Maybe that possum will take him. <laughs> and then they'll have to make a Dungeons & Dragons movie. Uh, so there was a scuffle over the rights in 2013 after Sweet Pea Productions, which was Courtney Solomon's production mm. house, announced another D&D movie. But Hasbro, who I guess acquired the license in between, right, mm. uh, issued a statement lawsuit two days later saying that they were actually making a D&D movie with Warner Brothers and Universal. We're actually making them, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They were making uh, a D&D movie with Warner Brothers and Universal. And in 2015, it was encouraged that they settle this dispute. So basically, he gave the rights back for, for money, it seems. We'll give you the $3 million that this movie would have needed to break even. <laughs> and then you have to go away forever. <laughs> but yeah, then the rights jumped over to Paramount uh, in 2017. And here we are. Yeah. There is so much that could be done here. And I know that because so much of media takes from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I know you could also argue that like Dungeons and Dragons borrows from like Narnia and Lord of the Rings, et cetera, and so forth. But what a rich world of untapped potential. I agree. And look, the, the at, at, at time of recording, the new Dungeons and Dragons movie is not out, but it does seem, at least from the trailers, that they are leaning more heavily in towards like the unique and interesting aspects of the Dungeons and Dragons universe with your monsters and your magics. Is there a, fire, is there a wolf with its fire head on fire? Yep. Great. It's my yeah. favourite animal. Yeah. And it, the, and the, and the, and is Damo Dar Snake Ears back? God, I hope so. <laughs> my Snake Ears have allowed me to come into this universe. <laughs> Boom! In a, in a way, it, it, it's actually... Get a, out! I'm just, just saying. Fuck off! More, more For pe- real, fuck off! More people should get snakes in their wrist. Get the I'm fuck saying. out! Okay, I'll go. Kill yourself! <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, it's. I think it's just, you know, and we, we it seems we're actually going to get the, the classic adventuring party, which actually get to do their stuff. Yeah, it would yeah. truly have to be the most dreadful movie ever made to be worse than this. Yes. But in a way, I admire that this somehow happened. Anyways, this has been <laughs> Caravan of Garbage. We do this every week. Do you want to know what we're doing next week, Mason? Yeah! Well, here's a hint. Wow! Incredible, right? And you can actually see that early if you head over to bigsandwich.co where the videos always go up there early, but it's not the only thing there. There's a bunch of exclusive stuff behind a paywall. Bonus content, bonus podcasts. That's right. Movie commentaries. Early videos. That's right. And our podcast, The Weekly Planet, where we talk movies and comics and TV shows. That normally comes out Monday, just choked with ads. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can get it Sunday ad-free there. That's right. We are going to be covering the new D&D movie. Mm -hmm. And maybe some famous Australian boys make an appearance. It's not us. It's someone actually famous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But who's to say? I don't know if I can say that. Ah. Name them. Auntie Donna. We'll ask him. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, Grab that gem, you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you to Ben and Lawrence for the edit. Thanks, guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.